Children make great illustrations. And I know that you get to hear a lot of illustrations from my family, but on Father's Day, deal with it. <laughs> because it's, we have some from my family. Just some funny things. This week, Susie was asking the kids, well, what do you want to do for Daddy for Father's Day? And they all talked and had a little discussion, and finally they came up with, you know what? I think we should take him to McDonald's with a play area. He really likes McDonald's with a play area. <laughs> a little later, they're thinking, and they're like, and ice cream. I think he should get ice cream. Susie and I were chuckling about that, and we couldn't help thinking, so is this, is this more for, for daddy? <laughs> is this more for the kids? But it, it's fun, because they're, they're trying to think through things, and, and in their in their perception of the world, they think, okay, this is what we like, so this must be what Daddy likes. And, and we end up doing those things a lot because it's great family time. This morning, we want to talk a little bit about fathers. And, and fathers in the same vein as what we did on Mother's Day. First of all, we do want to honor our, our, our fathers that are here. I am again honored to have my father here and honored for the, the heritage that he has given me and the example that he has been of how to live for God and how to live a godly, godly life. And so we honor our fathers. But this year, as we, as we jumped off from Mark chapter 3 and Jesus' instruction to the disciples and to all that we're hearing, we also want to make sure that we honor the spiritual fathers, the spiritual dads in our, in our congregation. In Mark chapter 3 at the end, I'll, I'll repeat the verse that we use for Mother's Day. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. And we see Jesus radically redefining family, radically expanding it to say, it's more than your nuclear family. Those that are sitting in the chair next to you, those that that are brothers and sisters in Christ and, and fathers and mothers in Christ and children in Christ, they're family. They're family. So this year on Mother's Day and now on Father's Day, we wanted to explore that a little bit and explore how do we honor dads? How do we honor our spiritual fathers here at Village? Is it McDonald's with a play area? For some of you, it might be. I've seen Don there, so that must be his favorite thing to do. Of course, Joey was always with him, so... Maybe there's something there. But how do we truly honor and appreciate the gift that God has given us with the men in our church who are spiritual fathers? Last night on Facebook, I, I was looking at one of Cinda's pictures. Not to point you out or anything. but And, and she had a picture of, of Rock Lake. And I, I looked at that picture and so many memories came flooding, flooding back. It's a, a lake in the Sierra that my family, my entire life, has gone camping at. And to, to look at that, I could, I could pick out the spot that Dad and I fished. That Dad and I, that he taught me how to fish, that we spent hours waiting for fish. <laughs> talking. And now that I'm older, I understand the importance of that time. I understand the significance of that time. And the heritage that was being passed on but as I was looking at that picture and preparing for, for this morning and thinking about spiritual fathers, I also started thinking about all of the college and, and career and fit camping trips that we've done there. 
and how many times I've sat on that rock with younger ones here at church waiting for fish to come on the line that often never did and talking about life and talking about God. And so that picture for me crystallized this morning that that we take the heritage that we are given and within the context of the family of God, we pass it on and we invest. So this morning we want to honor those that have invested in us. Remind ourselves that we are to be doing the same thing, but, but honor them. That they're more than just friends. They're more than just simple acquaintances in Christ. But the men, the older men here that have invested in us are our fathers in Christ. They have taught us. They have exhorted us. They have encouraged us. They have prayed for us. And just as our natural fathers teach and feed and care and protect, our spiritual fathers do the same thing. Just a, a little side note, it was interesting as I, as I dug in and was, was going with this idea, I thought, oh, I, I wonder if I could find a few verses on it, a few examples. And page after page of examples of men in the Bible calling younger men their sons or younger men calling older men their fathers just came and I'm like, oh man, we, we're going to have to have a five-hour service. And so we took just a few of them. And this morning I want to talk about some, some marks, some characteristics of a spiritual father. See, the thing is, it, it's hard for us to honor fathers and our spiritual fathers if we don't know what they do. If we don't see the importance of what they do, if we don't appreciate how they are passing on the faith and how they are investing in our lives. And so this morning I want to look at nine different ways they do that. Some of you are thinking, oh man, nine points. Here we go. It's more of a list. Don't, don't think of it as points. More of a list. And we'll move through them pretty quickly because my goal is to give us an overview that elevates and honors the position of spiritual dad. That says, wow, that's, that's not as easy as I thought it was. And when we begin to understand that, then we can begin to honor and appreciate and show the, the, the spirit in the family of God that Christ would have us do. So I want to paint that picture today. To start with, though, the foundation is Jesus' example. And we've already started talking about that as we're working our way through the Gospel of Mark. And if you remember in Mark chapter 1, what was one of the first things Jesus did? He's passing by the guys in their boats, mending their nets. Remember what he said? Follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Passes by a couple more. Follow me. Passes by Levi in the tax booth. Follow me. And they all follow. And so Jesus is intentionally using a strategy that begins to reproduce in these men that he is investing in. That he is investing in. But turn with me to Mark chapter 10, 24. And we'll look at a a lot of different verses today. Mark chapter 10, verse 24. And I want to focus on, on a word that Jesus uses with his disciples as he's talking about what it means to come into the kingdom, he's talking about how difficult it is to come into the kingdom. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 24, we see well into his ministry the type of relationship he has with these 12 men. And the disciples 
were amazed at his words. So they were listening, they were processing, they couldn't quite understand it, they're amazed. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is, it is to enter the kingdom of God. Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. And I've read that phrase a number of times, and I always thought Jesus was sort of making fun of them or, or referring to them as children in their faith. But it's interesting because that's not what that word means. That word, when applied to, to adults, it, it, could, it could mean little children that are, are related, that, you're, that are your sons and daughters. But when applied to adults, it literally means dearly beloved one. And so what, what often we might take as a, a term of, of chastisement was a term of endearment. As it was referring to one who was dear, but not a genetic descendant. So he says, children, my dearly beloved ones, how difficult is it to enter the kingdom of God? And then he goes on to talk about leaving father and mother and brother and sister to follow Christ. And so we see the example that Christ set was one of much more than just a job, much more than just a duty. As he invested in these 12 men, as he was their spiritual father, in, in more ways than we will ever be because he secured salvation on the cross. He literally was their spiritual father and the source of their salvation. But he invested in their hearts and he cared about them. So that's the foundation that we jump off on. And let's work through these marks. And on each of them, I have a little um, line at the bottom called honor point. And that's to say, okay, how can we honor dads in this way? They do this. So how can we honor dads as they do this? And then there's a line to the right. And I would encourage you to take on that line, and as we work through the the material this morning, if a name comes to mind of an older man in the church that that exemplifies that, put their name down. You're not going to be turning them in or anything. But beginning to recognize the, the, the spiritual fathers that God has put in our lives. As we work through them, I also want to focus on just a few relationships that we see in the Bible. The first one is Paul and Timothy. Paul and Timothy, and by far this is the relationship that has the the most material about what it looked like for a father and son in the faith and, and how they relate to each other. And Mark number one, or the first characteristic of a spiritual father there, is spiritual fathers see those they invest in as their true children. Spiritual fathers see those they invest in as their true children. Flip over to 1 Timothy 1-2. 1 Timothy 1-2. And we learn a lot by how Paul addresses Timothy. First Timothy 1-2. To Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. We see the same thing to Titus as Paul writes Titus at the beginning. He calls him his true child in the faith. And it's interesting because why use the word true there? Why not just say he's my child in the faith? Why make a point, and it's an intentional point, of saying he's my true child in the faith? And that word for true is is one that by definition says one who is considered valid, a true member of the family, and it was the concept of legitimate versus illegitimate. 
And so Paul here is saying he, he, he's not a secondary child. He's not an illegitimate child. He is a legitimate, true part of my family in every sense of the word. And when I think of the spiritual dads that have invested in my life, when I think of a couple of the men that I have considered second fathers, there's no doubt in my mind that they loved me as their son. That they considered me their son. And that set the tone for the relationship. That set the tone for them passing on the faith. It communicates acceptance, which to young men and women is an amazing gift. It's powerful. And it lends credibility to the message. Imagine if you woke up this morning and you got a card from your kids. And it said, you've been like a father to me. <laughs> Little miffed? What do you mean? I am your dad. I'm not like your dad. I am your dad. And think about that in our spiritual relationships. Can we say more than you've been like a father to me? but instead say, you are one of my fathers. You are. Your family. It's true. It's legitimate. So mark number one, spiritual fathers see those they invest in as their true children. So how do we honor that? See, that is not a light thing to say. When I adopted our two youngest ones and I gave them my name, that is not a light thing. That is giving myself to them. That is, that is who I am. That is my heritage that I am giving them. And the same is true when we are adopted as sons and daughters of the King. And the same is true when spiritual dads invest in us. So how do we honor this? And as we look at the points of honor, let me just mention a couple things. Dads are pretty simple. We're not hard to understand. There's a couple keys that will be amazing to us that you just might want to know. Number one, we're looking for significance. We want to know that what we're doing makes a difference. When I spend time with my children, when I, when I do anything, I want to know that this is making a difference for the kingdom. And number two, and we've talked about this in classes, dads like to be respected and honored, appreciated for that. Know they're making a difference, doing something of value it's nice to know someone notices that, appreciates that. So if you, if you sort of think of those two things on all these honor points, you're probably going to get it right. But when we think of our spiritual dads, honor them as true fathers. They consider us true children, so let's honor them as true fathers. Let's celebrate Father's Day with them and tell them Happy Father's Day and thank them for the, the impact they've made in your life. Mark number two, characteristic number two, spiritual fathers deeply love the ones they disciple. It's related to the first one, but turn over to the next book, 2 Timothy 1, and let's look at the beginning of that. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we see by the example of Paul and Timothy and their relationship, what their relationship looked like. In verse 2 of chapter 1, to Timothy, my beloved child. So he changes from true child to beloved child. The rest is very similar. Grace, mercy, and peace from the God, the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord. 
And that word beloved means, as you would imagine, to love deeply. To love genuinely. And it it represents a very specialized relationship. This isn't just, oh, let me give you some advice from time to time, but it, it represents relationship. And spiritual dads know that you cannot father outside of relationship. It doesn't work. And Paul knew that. And he called Timothy beloved. I did a search on beloved just to say, okay, is this like one, one or two times? And I found that Paul calls Timothy beloved a number of times. John calls the church at Ephesus that he considered his spiritual children beloved many, many times in First, Second, and Third John. We see James calling the people he's writing to beloved. Peter, in Hebrews we see it. In Colossians we see it as Paul's writing to Tychicus and Epaphras. We see it when he's writing to the church at Philippi. And I'm like, ah! There's something there. Because these men who were investing in these younger men and women viewed them as beloved in every case. So spiritual fathers deeply love the ones they disciple. Men, it's okay to love. It's okay to be in relationship. The story of a father and a son that were estranged in Spain. Father wanted to, to find him. The son had run away and searched for months to no avail. And finally, in a last-ditch effort, he put an ad in the newspaper. And the ad read, Dear Paco, Meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up (laughs) looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. Men, don't underestimate what it communicates to those younger than us when we care deeply for them and we show it and we say it. Represents loyalty for us. Good word that gets men going. And it's interesting because that word beloved means as well to value highly, to prize. Much of the same definition we would use for honor. And when we say honor your fathers, what's happening is it's a two-way street because fathers are already honoring, prizing highly, valuing their kids. The same is true in the family of God. How do we do that? How do we honor them? We need to treasure the men in our church. Value them. Look up to them. Maybe a way you do that is find out what they're interested in and dig into that. Maybe it's not McDonald's with a play area. Maybe it's cars. Maybe it's their grandchildren. Maybe it's Dig into their lives, and in doing so, you are showing honor and respect to them. Let's honor men and the spiritual fathers. Mark number three, characteristic number three, spiritual fathers will go to battle for you. Will go to battle for you. In the same place, going on from verse two to verse three, as Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. 
And when I think again of the men that have invested in my life, they would look me in the eye and say, Ron, I'm going to pray for you about that. And the fear of God would go down my back because I knew that they cared so deeply that they would be on their knees doing battle in the eternal realm for me. And I don't take that lightly. And men, when you do battle for each other, and when we do battle for the younger ones of this church on our knees in prayer, we are doing battle with Satan himself and on behalf of God himself. We are investing in them. Spiritual fathers will go to battle for you. Paul went to battle for Timothy. Timothy was not alone. How do we honor dads that are willing to do that? Spiritual dads in our church? Let them. Let them battle for you. Which means being honest with them. Say, you know what? I am struggling in that area. And I need you on my knees, on your knees, praying for me. Paul says, I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. I can just imagine Timothy opening up the letter. Oh, I got a letter from Dad. And he reads, I remember you in my prayers night and day. And it's like, oh, thank you, God. Thank you for Paul. Thank you for Dad. Characteristic number four. Spiritual fathers challenge their children in the faith. They set the bar. They set it high. They raise expectations. If we're to be spiritual fathers and spiritual mentors to, do under, to those under us, it means to challenge them. If we never talk about spiritual things, if we never challenge them in their walk with God, then it's not a spiritual relationship. Don't call them a spiritual dad. There's a reason why when I did something at home that I knew wasn't right, I was worried when dad got home. That's healthy. That's good. Because I knew dad would call me on it. There's a reason why my children, when I get home, they're worried if they've been bad that day. Because I'll call them on it. Spiritually, the same has to be true. We need to challenge each other and raise the bar and say, are you walking with God? How have you done this week? Have you read your Bible this week? Have you been on your knees in prayer? Jump back to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Back, we're still on Paul and Timothy and looking at that relationship. Verse 18 and 19 now. And even if you think about it, what's Paul doing in 1 and 2 Timothy? He's instructing. He's passing on a challenge in the faith. What was he doing to Titus and Titus? He's instructing. He's, he's, he's building the faith of these young men who are his spiritual sons. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. This charge I entrust to you, or literally I pass it on to you. It's a charge, not a suggestion, but it's do this! Do this! We were talking in the elder meeting yesterday about one of the men's work and that their boss would, would put a D by some of the things. That, that he would suggest. And they, well, what's the D for? And the, his boss said, well, the D means it's a directive. 
Not a suggestion, it's a directive. That means something different, doesn't it, in, in the workplace? Well, well, spiritual dads give their kids directives as well, as Paul is doing here in verse 18. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child. And he brings in the father-son relationship. In accordance with the prophecies previous, previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith. And he's saying, hold the faith. Know what you believe. Use your gifts. Be a man of God. And who teaches us as men, talking to the men for a moment, who teaches us to be men? Older men. Maybe your father, maybe someone here, maybe a spiritual father. See, spiritual fathers communicate wisdom to those they mentor. They're able to have those tough discussions. So how do we honor them? How do we honor them? Knowing that God has placed your spiritual dads in your life for a reason. Go to them and ask questions. Go to them and say, you know what? How do I deal with this in my family? How do I deal with three young children that are just bouncing off the walls other than duct tape? How do I train them to love God? That's why God has given us older men and dads in the faith. Ask them spiritual questions. See, by asking them, you are honoring them. You are showing respect. But part of that is when they challenge us and when, when our dads in the faith give us charges, we have a choice. I can either get all defensive and say, stay out of my business. That's my call, which is really where culture is taking us. Or I can humble myself and listen and put weight and value on what those older men have said. Dads, you know when your kids are putting weight and value, don't you, on what you've said. You also know when they're blowing you off. Spiritually in the church, we know that too. Let's honor them by asking and listening. Characteristic number five, just as we move through the list, still on Paul and Timothy. Most of them are from that relationship. Spiritual fathers serve together with those they disciple. Spiritual fathers serve together with those they disciple. Philippians 2, verse 22. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, but he references Timothy. And he says, but you know that Timothy has proved himself. He's, he's building into Timothy even with others. You know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, and we see the father-son imagery again, as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Notice it doesn't say he has served me or he has worked for me. It says he has served with me for the gospel. And spiritual fathers, spiritual fathers, have the capacity of bringing young men and women along into service of the Lord God Almighty by allowing them to partner, by allowing them to participate. 
we need to appreciate that about them because it's not always easy. It isn't always easy. There are times at home where I'm working on something in the house and my boys come and say, can we help you? And the flesh says, I I just need to finish this week or today or... And it's a battle between do I, do I include them? Do I let them help? Do I train them? Or do I get this done? And the Holy Spirit reminds me it's not about the task. It's about the relationship of parenting and fathering those two boys and that little girl. And in a church, it's no different because there's times that we're saying, I can just do that myself and it'll be easier. But to bring someone alongside of us, to do that with somebody is a way that communicates you are valuable, you are important, not only to me, but to God. And that will bear fruit beyond our wildest dreams. Paul says, as a father with his son, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Let's do this together. How do we honor dads on this issue? I think one of the ways, both with our real dads, with with our our physical dads and our, our church dads, make time to serve with them. See, I often haven't found that it's the the spiritual dads that are are struggling to make time for their children in the faith, but often the other way around. Because we're busy, aren't we? We have so much going on. But to say, you know what, let me help you with that. Let's serve together in that. As younger ones, we show respect and we show value when we, when we come and join them. When we come and join them. See, we need to think differently about work. Work isn't just something we do, or serving isn't just something we do to get the task done. It's part of the process of sanctification. Part of the process. It's part of who we are. Jeffrey, one of the days I went to work this week, asked Suze after I left. He said, Mommy, when will Daddy be all done with work? And he's thinking of it as a task, as something that, you know, okay, next week all the work here is done. Part of our training will be to help him understand that serving together is what we do. It's what God has called us to do. Characteristic number six. Spiritual fathers want their children to pass on their faith to others. They want their children to pass on their faith to others. Still dealing with Paul and Timothy. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verses 1 and 2. Paul is writing to his son, Timothy. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And catch this verse. This is great. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so, so Paul here takes Timothy, his son in the faith, and says, this is my heart. This is my desire. What you've heard me invest in you, what you've heard me what you've seen in my life, what you've heard me teach, what I've invested in you, take that and go invest in others. Reproduce. 
But then the verse doesn't stop there, does it? It actually represents four generations. Paul, Timothy, Timothy's children in the faith. But then it says, and entrust these to faithful men who will teach others. And so it's a fourth generation that keeps reproducing. And fathers, is it a joy to see your kids spiritually investing in other people? Like no other. Like no other. So spiritual dads, it's the same thing. Their deep desire is to watch their spiritual children carry the torch, pass the torch on. See, again, when we do that, we are showing respect. We are showing value. We are showing that what they did was significant. It was significant enough for me to take and follow their example and do the same thing with someone younger than myself. So the point of honor is to do the same. Find someone younger than you and you will honor the spiritual fathers in your life. Move to Mark number 7, or characteristic number 7. Paul and Titus, again, a father-son spiritual relationship. There's a lot we can say there, but just out of the the introduction, Titus 1.4. To Titus, my true child, we see that phrase again, in a common faith. Grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Spiritual fatherhood in characteristic number seven comes from a common faith. We've talked about this many times. As we are adopted children of God, as we are adopted sons and daughters of God, that makes us related. But this relationship of a spiritual dad and a spiritual son or a daughter, it comes from having faith in common. It comes from being in God's kingdom together. It comes that we are both adopted by the Lord of all creation. And we can both say, Abba, Father. It's so easy to crave relationships and people that will build into us. But throughout God's Word, we see there needs to be a common thread of faith in Christ Jesus and repentance and coming to Him and giving our lives to Him. Because until we do, we really don't have that much in common with our spiritual dads. And I say quotes because if we don't have that in common, they're not our spiritual fathers. Spiritual fatherhood comes from a common faith. God has placed the men that are fellow believers in this church here for a reason, the older men. He has placed them to be our spiritual fathers because of our common family heritage now. The next relationship I mentioned there is Paul and Onesimus. And Onesimus was a slave that had run away from Philemon. And while he was away, he ended up encountering Paul, and Paul led led him to know Christ and into repentance. And Paul ended up building into his life, and he became a son of Paul in the faith. Well, the time came that Paul's going to send him back to Philemon. Philemon's also a believer. And so Paul writes a letter, and that's what Philemon is about. He writes a letter to Philemon vouching for Onesimus. And characteristic number eight there is spiritual fathers put themselves on the line for their spiritual children. Spiritual fathers put themselves on the line. They take the risk of vouching for their spiritual children. Don't underestimate this. Paul here protects. He launches He equips, 
He vouches for him. He speaks for him. And I'll read part of Philemon, starting at verse 8. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, he's writing to Philemon about Onesimus, I could command you, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. Okay, who's going to say no after that? I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. This isn't just please accept him. This is He is going with my blessing and my heart. I'm putting myself on the line for him. A little bit later in Philemon. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. I'll pay for everything. If you feel like you need to charge me, by the way, you owe me your life. (laughs) What a picture of what spiritual fathers and real fathers do for their children. As they would do just about anything to vouch for them, to protect, to send them, to equip them. And when we think of the dads and the spiritual dads in our own church community here, understand the sacrifice they make daily to love and care for us broken creatures. And when we start to see the depth of that, we start to show a little appreciation. What a picture, though, of what Christ did for us on the cross. As he took care of our sin and our anguish and the judgment that was due us because he loved us. And now he stands in in front of the throne when the accuser accuses and he vouches for us. And he says, no, 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 he's mine. She's mine. That's what Jesus is doing for you at this moment. And that's what our spiritual dads do. We need to be encouraging them. We need to say thank you. Say thank you. In your worship folders, we have encouragement cards this morning. And you can fold them in half. And I would encourage you to write a note to some older gentleman in the church that has been a spiritual father to you. And just say thank you. Hand it to them either right after the service, this week sometime. If you're not able to get it to them, get it to us at the church office. Leave it on the table in the back and we'll get it to them. But let's honor them as spiritual dads. The last mark there, the last characteristic, comes from the relationship between Peter and Mark, the man who wrote the gospel we're studying through. Spiritual fathers may never see the fruit of their investment, but they invest anyway. Spiritual fathers may never see the fruit of their investment, but they invest anyway. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13, Peter writes, She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings. And so does Mark, my son. It's a little word. Mark, my son. But knowing 
that Mark had deserted the ministry at one point, that there was this argument between Paul and Barnabas about whether he was even fit for ministry, and to come to this and see that Peter says, he's fit for ministry, he is my son in the faith, I'm investing in him. But the fruit of that, Peter may have never known. Because the fruit of that is one of the more evangelistic gospels that we study and that we're studying right now. And many, many people coming to Christ because Mark was faithful because people invested in him. It's sometimes hard to be a spiritual father. D.L. Moody said, it is better to train ten people than to do the work of ten people. But it is harder. But it is harder. And so our spiritual dads here, thank you. Thank you for your hard work. Thank you for putting up with us that are younger and loving us anyway and treating us as your true sons and daughters in the faith. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord God, how you have sovereignly put people together in your church is amazing and beautiful. And Lord, may we truly appreciate the contribution that the older men in our lives spiritually have invested in us and the heritage that they have given us. Lord, today may be a day of honor for them. May we remember to honor them, to let them know their contribution was significant and it was valued. Lord, I pray that you would be building men and women that love you and pass on their faith here at Village. And that we would be a church sold out for your gospel. Sold out to love you, to serve you, and to be a family. In Jesus' name, amen.